Well, I am excited to get into this sermon series today, and we're going to be talking about this for the next uh, several weeks. And uh, I mean, I've just been kind of chomping at the bit to get into this here for a while. Do you realize it was one year ago this weekend that Michelle and I moved here to the wonderful city of Wausau? Yeah, the 715, the center of it all. And uh, man, it has just been a whirlwind, and uh, we just thank God that he would lead us to such an awesome community here and uh, to see what God has in store for the 715. And so we are starting a new sermon series called We Are, and then I just want to encourage you, please, if you want to find out what, what, we, what Thrive Church is all about and who we are becoming, because all of us are in that becoming process here, I want to encourage you to follow along with these notes this morning. And uh, I'm going to be referring back to this probably for as long as I'm the pastor here. I'm going to be referring back to this message as much as I can. So today we are going to talk about the mission and vision of Thrive Church. What is the mission and the vision of Thrive Church? So what is our mission? A mission is that you are, in a church world, is that it's a calling. It's what we're called to do. It is the purpose our mission is our purpose. This is why we exist today, and it happened way back in the Acts 2 church, and it all started back then, and the mission has not stopped. The mission has only continued from that Acts church. And, and so we talk about mission and vision. Well, vision, that's where we're going. That's what if, if we squint our everybody just kind of squint your eyes a little bit, and you, and you can almost see it. I squint my eyes a little bit, and I see all of these chairs filled. I, I see chairs in the, in the balcony. I see all these people who are waving at me right now up there in the balcony, all these people. And, and I see just an overcrowdedness, and I see in, in our leadership meetings, like, we're going to have to go to a second service. We're going to have to go to the third service. Man, we're going to have to start doing a Saturday night service. I'm, I'm just seeing lives changed in Jesus' name. That's that's kind of vision thing, right? That's, that's what we call vision. And what will it look like when we arrive? And so I, we're going to look at this, this man by the name of Nehemiah. And I want you to turn in your books to Nehemiah chapter 1. Nehemiah. Nehemiah was this Jewish prophet. And he was a slave in, in, the, in, the, in the country of Persia, which is modern-day Iran. And he was serving under this king. And he, his job, how would you like to have this job? He was a cupbearer. You know what a cupbearer did? When he would pour the wine for the king, this person would be the first person to take a sip of the wine because to see if it was, there was any poison in the wine or not. How would you like to have that job? It's kind of a high-stakes job there a little bit, but that was his job, and he was a prophet of God. And so one day, but he was, a, he was an Israelite, and he was Jewish, and he was, he was from Jerusalem. And one day, a friend came and visited, and he just began to talk to him and tell him about, hey, this is kind of what's happening in Jerusalem, his hometown. And he gave him this news. He says, things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down, and the gates have been destroyed by fire. Then when Nehemiah heard this, he sat down and he wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to, to, to the God of heaven. Have you ever had one of those moments? 
something happens. Maybe it's something that you're watching on the news or it's happening in your life, it's happening in the world. It just, it just breaks you. You're just, you, your tears just begin to well up and you just, why? Why does that have to happen? How many of you have ever had one of those moments before? Just broken. Well, that, that's what happened to Nehemiah. Nehemiah, when he heard about what was happening in, this, in the city of Jerusalem, the city of God, he was just broken. How, how could this be? Why, why did people allow this to happen? I mean, this is, this is just a catastrophe. Why is this happening? And so if you know anything about this story, you know that his heart was broken over this. And not only was his heart broken, but his heart was moved to action. So many times, we, I think we just get stuck in that our heart is broken, but we do nothing about it. And I think that's kind of what vision does. Vision begins to move us, and that's exactly what happened with Nehemiah. Because after Nehemiah, one of his first actions that we just read here is he just went before God and he prayed and he fasted. God, oh, he took this to God. And then he, through some bold actions and courageous faith, he took steps and he went back to Jerusalem. And it's a long story of how that happened. But he goes back to Jerusalem and somehow he brings all of these people and he gives them the vision. Just envision, just envision all of these walls restored and the strength of Jerusalem restored. Just envision what that would look like. And people came and they responded to this vision. And within 52 days, the walls were restored. And that's an, it's an awesome story. I love the story of Nehemiah. And like so many things in life, sometimes it just for things to happen, it takes for our hearts to be broken. And we, our hearts were broken for the community when we saw what COVID and everything that happened in the year 2020 did to our community. And we decided that we're going to do something about that. Our hearts, it, moved, it came from a broken heart. And that's why we had that, that event here a few weeks ago, the moving experience. And hearts were touched. And, we, and I still believe we're going to see fruit. We're seeing fruit that's happening because of that right now. Bill Hybels, a pastor, once said, vision comes from a holy discontent with the way things are. Vision comes from a holy discontent with the way things are. And I want you to know there's a lot of things in this world that I'm discontent about, that my heart is broken up. What is it, what it is with yours? What is it in this world that breaks your heart? Because God is probably calling you to do something about it. Surveys reveal that most believe our country is in a severe moral decline. That is not news to anybody here today. And I think, I think the thing that breaks my heart is that, it, that it's happening. And I think the thing that is contributing to this is I believe the walls of the church are in great trouble. The walls of the church are crumbling. And they've been burnt down. In other words, the significance of God, the significance of the church has been lost in our, in our society. Here's, here's, I did a research on, um, from Barna Research, and it, this was the state of the church. Barna Research is an is a, a organization that does a lot of researches and polling, and they said the state of the church in 2020, and they said this, practicing Christians 
People who identify themselves as Christians, they agree strongly in the faith. It is important to their lives that they attend, they attend church on a consistent basis. Currently, this is one-fourth of Americans. It is on the decrease. It's decreasing the number of people. In the year 2000, the people who identified themselves in, in our country was 45% of our country identified themselves as a practicing Christian. 20 years later, it is down to 25%. That is a 20% decline in 20 years. The walls are breaking. Then there's another group called the non-practicing Christians, and these are people who, they identify themselves as Christians, but they're not practicing their faith. And I'm going to talk about this group of people. I call them the disengaged. They're not engaged in their faith. This group of people, according to Barna Research, is on the increase. In the year 2000, 35% of our, of our people uh, identify themselves as, as disengaged. In 2020, that group is 43%. That is an increase of 8%. It is on the rise. That breaks my heart. People are becoming disengaged. Non-Christians, non-Christians, there is a group that is now identified by researchers called the nuns, and I'm not talking about the nuns like across the street at the Catholic Church, I'm talking about none. These are people who are like, I have no religious affiliation, I have nothing, I'm just like, because that's what I choose. The nuns are one of the fastest growing religious groups in our country today. In, in year 2000, 20% of our country identified themselves as nuns. In 2020, it is 30% and on the rise and moving rapidly. These statistics right here, this tells me, this reveals to me that God, or the church, and we're talking about God, really, is becoming more and more irrelevant to today's culture. That breaks my heart. That breaks my heart. It seems that more and more people are what we, we would call disengaged. How many of you, maybe you've met a disengaged person, or maybe you've been there before. A disengaged person, I, I've had many conversations with, with disengaged people as I've lived here in Wisconsin. Wisconsin and, and people, here's how the conversation goes disengaged people, I grew up in the church. I grew up in the church. Until our butts, our win, and I'm no longer, I'm no longer practicing, I'm no longer in the faith. I still believe in God, but I'm not engaged in my faith. This breaks my heart. This breaks my heart. They've left the church because, in, in the conversation that I've had, people are disappointed. They have church has become irrelevant to their needs or what's happening in the world. And people are just burned out with religion. In other words, these, these people, they have, and maybe you've been there before, maybe you're there right now. You have an understanding of God. You have a knowledge of God, but you don't have the heart for God. You don't have a relationship with him because it was never taught or you just never knew how. You never knew that God wanted to have that with you. 
Barna Research again, Barna and then Gallup both uh, 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 show this, that Americans are becoming more and more disengaged than ever before. 36% fewer attended church weekly in 2020 than in 1993. Church membership decreased. In 1999, church membership was at 70%. Currently, it is at 47%. According to Gallup Research that has been around, has been researching church world for 80-some years, this is the only time in their history that they've seen church membership decrease below 50%. The percentage of Americans do not identify with religion is growing. 21% over the past three years. 31% of millennials have no religious affiliation. 33% of this, this current younger generation, when they, Generation Z, when they reach adulthood, they have no religious preference. None. None. Every year, listen to this, every year, 4,000, over 4,000 churches close their doors. The significance of God is being lost. The walls are caving in. And these are the things that feed my holy discontent. Because it's not about the church. It's not about the church. But it's in the church. God uses the church as his connector to the world. And it always makes me wonder, what, what happened? What has happened in church world where this has happened? And I believe this. I believe and I've been in church world for a while, and I'm not saying every church. I'm not generalizing every church. But I've seen it a lot in church world where the church has lost its God mission in the world. Church has lost its mission. I think there's, there seems to be two primary views of the mission that I see in church world today. And I'm going to use ships, if I can use ships as an illustration of these views. In fact... In ancient Christianity, a ship is used as a symbol of the church. And in other words, back then, it was the view that the church, people would come to know Jesus, and they would get onto this ship, the church, and they would be tossed and turned and go through difficulties and challenges. But it was the church's mission to help lead people to God, and one day they would be with God forever. But I believe that that maybe has been lost, that mission, that vision of what the church is all about. I believe that over time, the church has taken on a consumer mission, a consumer mission. It, how many of you have ever been on a cruise ship before? Let me illustrate this. How many of you ever been on a cruise ship before? Isn't it awesome? How many, is there anybody who's planning on going back on cruises after now that COVID is over? I know that... Uh, yeah, we're going to go back on a, on a cruise ship, and it is a wonderful time. My wife and I have had to, an opportunity to do that a couple of times, but it is so entertaining. It, I think there's kind of three primary reasons why people go on a cruise ship. Number one, they go for the entertainment. There's other people that just go for the food buffets. Give it up for the food buffets, all right? And there's some people, that's where they sit all day long, just feed me. Feed me, feed me, feed me. And then there's other people who just, they just want to take it all in. They just want to go for the experience. They just want to go for the ride. And the, and the mentality of a cruise ship is, I am the passenger, 
And my mission is to be served. I'm a passenger. I'm a consumer. And my mission on this cruise ship, and I'm not going to lie, I do that. When I go on a cruise ship, my mission is I want to be served. I want to be laying out on the deck there and reading my book under the umbrella as Michelle's sitting out in the sun, reading my book. And I want that waiter to come up to me and say, would you, would you like some iced tea? Would you like some nachos with some cheese dip and a little bit of jalapenos? Yes, if you could do that, please put the jalapenos on the side. Thank you very much. I want, to, I want to be served. And this is for some people, if I can just say this, sometimes church, that has been the mentality of church. The mission of the church, some people would describe it, the mission of the church is for me to come and for me to be served. And that's what I call me church. This is con- having a consumer mind, and we live in a consumer world, and we become consumer-minded, and that becomes a consumer mission. But I believe that the mission that God has called us to is a contributor mission. I don't believe the church was called to be consumers. We are called to be contributors. Just look at your neighbor and say, I am a contributor. I'm a contributor. I've talked about this a couple times before, and I've declared a Thrive Church mission statement, and it comes directly from the Great Commission. The Great Commission is to serve our world. But This is our mission statement. If you want to write this down or it's in your notes, our mission is to lead people to become life-giving followers of Jesus. That is the mission of the church. That's an, and that's a, you know, what I just have done is I basically have taken the Great Commission and I've wordsmithed it to fit Thrive Church. I didn't change the mission, but that's it. Your mission. You are a contributor. And God has created you to use your giftings and your abilities to lead people to become life-giving followers of Jesus. Our bottom line is the mission of our church is a mission of discipleship. Write that down. That's what this is all about here this morning. It's all about discipleship. Discipleship is this. It's to take someone where they are and lead them to become all they were created to be. That's what discipleship is. Take them right where they are. And this is not what you're created to be. But let's walk together. And let's go to that place that you were created to be, that God created you for. That is discipleship. That's what Jesus did with his disciples. Yes, yes, yes. Fish. You guys are fishermen. And I want to lead you to become fishers of men. So let's just walk this road of discipleship together. And that's what the church is called to be wherever you are in life's journey. Let me lead you. Let me stand side by side beside you and walk along this road with you so that you become all that God has created you to be. It's discipleship. We are to lead people into a relationship with Jesus. And we do this by sharing the gospel and, and sharing the gospel in our actions and our words. It is it's sharing the gospel to lead people through relationships. 
relationships. If you get anything out of this message today, relationships. That's how Jesus operated, is through relationships, to lead people to become, to become more like Jesus process. Isn't that where all of us are in that process today? None of us have arrived to that place yet. And let me tell you, when you have arrived, you're not going to be here anymore. <laughs> all of us are in that process. The Bible calls that, or not the Bible, but the word for that is called sanctification. As we're continuing to grow. We're continuing to thrive. To become more like Jesus. A life-giving follower of Jesus. Here's how I would define a life-giving follower of Jesus. Someone who wholeheartedly loves and follows Jesus as a disciple. That they do it in a way that is life-giving to the world around them. In other words, your love for Jesus impacts the world around you. People just in your office, they just know you as... There's Jesus freak coming back to work again. <laughs> they may say Jesus freak in a sarcastic way, but they're impressed with your servanthood. They're impressed with the peace that you have in your heart. There's something about you that catches their attention. There's something about you that they want, that they're looking for. These are the people who I call M&Ms. We talked about this here a while ago. But each and every one of us, how we become that, how we live that out is we become ministers and missionaries. Ministers and missionaries. I, I, I talk to people oftentimes when I talk about vision and mission of the church. I talk about this faith journey scale. If you could put that up on the screen. And this faith journey scale is this we are called to lead people wherever they are in their faith journey to become all that God created them to be, life-giving followers of Jesus. So you see, you see that on this faith journey scale where people are at in their faith journey. Some people, maybe you're watching online and you are a nun. You're a nun. You're, you're here today and you're just nun. The only reason why you're here today is because your wife will not stop pestering you to be here today. And you're just, your wife, somebody is making you watch this online, okay? You just, you, no. Discipleship is like, how can I help lead them to that place where they might become a seeker? Seekers are those people who are like, well, maybe there is a God. Just maybe. Maybe I'm, I'm seeking for answers. I'm, I'm looking for direction. Just Just maybe. Don't push it. And then there's that person who I call the newbie, and this is the point of decision. This is that place of decision. That's where that person, yes, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I'm so excited. Now what do I do? How many of you remember those days? How many of you remember your seeker days? Your seeker days. How many of you, you remember the newbie days, like you're just so excited, and you just cannot stop reading the Bible and you just can't stop listening to podcasts, and you can't stop listening to worship music, and you just want to do, you want to talk about Jesus all the time. That's a newbie. That's a newbie. But they're, they're just saying all these things, but they're, they're, not, they're still not sure what they're saying. They just know something has filled their lives. And then there's that group that if we can help move that newbie, wherever you are out there, if we can help move that newbie to become that maturing Christian. 
And that maturing Christian has begun to understand their faith even more. They, they understand what the gospel is. And they understand how to communicate it to others. And they're, they're just continuing to grow in their faith journey. How many of you are in that place? You're, you're in that maturing place. You're, you're still kind of growing. I don't know everything. By the way, you will never know everything. Okay? You will never know everything. But can, 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 I, just say, can I just say something here? I, I'm going to tell you one of the most dangerous spots for a church to be in is in the maturing stage. Is that fair? Because it's in the maturing stage where we, we can get into that me church mentality. It's in that maturing stage where I love to come and worship. I love to connect with my church friends. I love to come and learn and study the Bible together. Now, there's nothing wrong with those things. But how many, you know, if you, when you have children, if, if you don't move them out of the, hey, learn how to feed yourself mode, if, we don't, if they don't learn how to get out of potty training mode, they just still stay immature. And maturity is when you begin to do what you know is true. And maturing sometimes is like, well, I know what to do, but I'm just not ready to do it yet. And you can always be stuck in the maturing stage where God said, listen, don't, 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 be, don't stay there. You should be, instead of eating meat, you're, you're still stuck with milk. You're time to mature, and you're called to be a life-giving follower of Jesus. And I want you to know, I have met, I've been in ministry, what is it, 20-some years here. Have you ever met an unfulfilled Christian? A Christian who's been a Christian for a long time, and just, they just seem unfulfilled. And I'm, I'm telling you, the highest place that you can go in your faith journey is when you move into that level, I'm going to be a life-giving follower of Jesus. And you will see people light up. That's where the fulfillment of your faith is found. Did you catch that this morning? Fulfillment comes when you begin to live out what you know is true. We're called to be life givers, life givers. So what does this look like? What is a life giver? I'm going to move along here. We're using the image of a ship here. And here's, here's what I think. I, here, this is what I believe that a life-giving follower looks like. First of all, we are missionaries. We are missionaries. I use this fishing boat as an example. We are called to go out and fish for men. Jesus told his, his disciples, I, you were once this, you were fishermen, now I'm going to make you fishers of men. Jesus was looking at you when he was speaking of that. We are called to become fishers of men. I used to, uh, I worked in a church, a large church, and we had a, a pastor of evangelism. And she would walk around making this statement because there was a lot of times there was a lot of inner fighting within the church. I know that's never happened here at Thrive Church, okay? I never, you've never experienced that. But there's a lot of inner fighting that was happening there, and she'd walk around, and she'd say this, when fishermen don't fish, they fight. When fishermen don't fish, they fight. Man, that's, that's really good. And you can close up your book right now and say that's, that's legit. But Jesus told the church, I want you to go outside 
of the church walls, I want you to go to a lost world. We were just at a conference here, uh, the staff here, and this guy just made a great statement. He says, it, is, it would be so weird to go to an aquarium and see somebody above the fish tank fishing. Just get, the, just get the guy thought in your mind. The fishermen fishing for fish who are already caught. And sometimes, sometimes church can be like that. I'm going to go to my church and I'm going to go be a fisher of men. Well, the fish, Jesus is looking for, I mean, there, there's some that kind of swim around at a church, but they're all out there. They're all out there. We're going, to, we're going to be missionaries. We're going to connect with lost people. We're going to share the message of Jesus through words and actions. Second of all, we're going to be ministers. We're going to be missionaries. We're going to be ministers. And I use the, the illustration of a hospital ship. In a hospital ship, all hands are on deck. Everybody on that hospital ship has a mission. And you know what really wounds them up? You know what really gets them moving? The understanding that lives are on the line. Those helicopters or whatever are landing sick patients there. And I have a mission. Every person in this church has a part to play here at the church. And you're part of a mission. And when you embrace that mission, you understand even your small part contributes to lives being changed in Jesus' name. So wherever you are in your faith journey, that's why we tell people, wherever you are in your faith journey, you are welcome here, you are accepted, and you are loved because we're a hospital ship. And we are here to serve you in your wounds, in your pain, in your heart. We want to play a part. We play a part in your healing process. We accept you right where you are, and we're going to play a part in your growing process as we grow ourselves. Can I just tell you this? Put that hospital ship back up. Hospital ships are some of the messiest places. Those are messy places. And maybe you've, yeah, you've been in a messy place in your faith. And that's the heart, that's the time that healing was taking place. That's when there was pain and rehab. I'm still going through physical therapy with my shoulder. And by golly, he got a hold of me at my shoulder the other day. And, oh, <laughs> it's painful. It's messy. But it's healing. It's healing. Amen. And it's in it's in this place, uh, 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 third, we are multipliers. And I use an aircraft carrier because aircraft carriers are cool. Aircraft carriers, they are created. The purpose of them is to equip. They equip these fighter planes with fuel and ammunition and everything that they need. And then they send those aircraft into missions into, and so that they can have missional impact. And I just think that's the purpose of the church, to equip people. To equip people with all that they need for maximum impact. By the way, that's what happened. We remember our Easter sermon series we just had here a few weeks ago? Talked about the good news. Talked about the gospel of Jesus. I want you to know your pastor was equipping you with ammunition. 
They had an entire sermon series. How many of you thought I was a little repetitive week after week? I want you to know we, we were equipping you. You are equipped when you have the knowledge of Jesus Christ. I'm going to continue to move on here. And so then we send and then we impact the world around us. Think about this. The disciples, listen to this. The disciples, through multiplication, they would minister to one person at a time or sometimes just small groups of people at a time. Think about this. Do you realize that Christianity is the largest religion in the world today? Some 2.4 billion people are Christians today because of this group of 12. This one person at a time. Just one. The power of just one. And then multiplying, multiplying, multiplying. So what is our strategy? Let me move along here quickly. Our strategy is this. It's found on our wall over here. We're going to love, we're going to grow, we're going to serve. We're going to love God, we're going to love people. We're going to grow together, and we're going to serve our world. This is what we're going to do. We are going to love God, we're going to love people. We're going to do church in a way that is relevant to our community. We're going to do church that is relevant, and we're going to be relevant to the needs of our community that helps people thrive in today's culture. We're going to continue to challenge you just one. What would happen if you began to pray for just one person? What would happen if you began to build a relationship with one person? What would happen if you began to just tell that one person about Jesus? Just one we're going, to, we're going to be a part of missional impact. How many of you notice we've had a lot more missionaries in this past year? We've had a lot of missionaries. We're going to continue to, continue to do that. We're going to continue to impact our world for Jesus Christ through the support of missionaries. We're going to grow together, and that's what we call discipleship. Discipleship, listen to me. Discipleship happens best in the context of life-giving community. Relationships. Our discipleship process for Thrive Church is relationships, life-giving relationships. You know, how, you know where I got this crazy millennial generation Z idea? From Jesus. Discipleship through relationships. We're going we're gonna to have what this thing called, we call life groups. And we, we want to encourage you, get into a life group. And we're, gonna, we're trying to mix it up in here and have more creative uh, ideas for life groups. We want to start this thing called interest groups. So if, you're, if you like to bowl, any bowlers out there? Any bowlers? Okay, if, you, if you're out there and you love to go bowling, and you would love to get together with a group of Christians who would love to go bowling on a regular basis, Go for it. We have, what, what is that group? Saber Legion. We have a group of people who meet outside here on Thursday nights. Uh, they go outside and they do like Saber Legion sword fighting with Jedi sabers. And nobody has been killed that I'm aware of, okay? And if you would like to be in the Saber Legion, if you are interested in sword fighting, I encourage you. Seth, you're doing an awesome job with leading that group. But it's a ministry that is taking place because they are taking time and say, okay, guys, let's stop here. Let's stop the sword fighting. Put your swords down. Let's love each other. Let's, can I just read a word here? 
this is what, this is what a word that God has been leading on my heart. And just, what, what does this word mean to you guys? What, what is God saying to you about this? Hey, guys, before we get back in, is there anything that we can pray with you about? All right. Let's get back into sword fighting. And you know what happens in between the sword fightings? People begin to talk. Hey, what, what did you mean when you, were, when you were saying this? People who do not attend this church are attending church. Did you catch that? People who are not attending church are attending church. And then we're going to have summer events where the, where the body of Christ is going to come together and we're going to celebrate and we're going to invite all the people. We, I want you to know we are planning to get back and to have our, our summer church picnic in August where we can come and just have one big life event together. We're going to uh, plan to do our growth track, and that's our discipleship model coming up. All right, let me continue. I'm, I'm, we're going to serve our world through getting on a serve team, each and every one of you. You are called to be a minister and a missionary. You are the ones who make this church happen. You are the church. And we're going to live out our values, Thrive, thrive Church values. We're going to be spirit-led, mission-driven, people-loving, servant-hearted, growth-minded, and you're going to hear more about that in the coming weeks. So what is our vision? We do all of this that we just talked about here. What does that turn into? Andy Stanley says this. Andy Stanley says, vision is a mental picture of what could be fueled by a conviction of what should be. So when I, when I think about vision, I pray about vision, God, what, not only what could be, but God, what should be? What should the church do? And I, I've prayed about it, and I just can't get away from this statement what if we, I just, everybody just kind of squint your eyes right now. Just kind of, because I, I want you to see, sometimes when you have vision, he's like, oh, that could never happen. But you squint your eyes like, yeah, maybe I could see that happen. What if, just, just what if, okay? Uh, no, just what if Thrive Church became a church that the disengaged are looking for? I want you to know, do you know the disengaged are looking for answers? Rick Warren, pastor of Saddleback Church, large church in California, he said, you know what? You know when people begin to look for God or begin to look for spiritual answers? Track me. The time that people, and this probably happened in your life, the time that people are looking for answers are doing transition, transition and tension. Are we not now living in a culture of transition and tension? Are we not in that, in that culture? We are smack dab in the middle. What a tremendous opportunity to be the church in a season of tension and transition that the disengaged are looking for. Do, do you get it? I, 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 wanted, I, I wanted to just burrow down. I just wanted to just, yes, that's what the church should be. But here's the challenge. It, would, it may challenge us to, to move, to change, to maybe transition from being a church that's always focused on maturing to focus on a church that is becoming life-giving followers of Jesus. So what would it look like? Let me close with this. I believe this is what that church would look like. Number one, I believe 
we would have a life-giving culture. A life and I'm gonna, give me time to talk about that later in my sermon series. But I just want you to imagine a church, life-giving culture. How many of you, let me give you an example of culture. How many of you have been to Chick-fil-A? How many of you love, 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 love Chick-fil-A? Raise your hand. You do not love chicken sandwiches that much. I'm going to tell you, I've had better chicken sandwiches. What people love, 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 love about Chick-fil-A is the culture. It's life-giving. Envision a church that is a life-giving culture to the people that's looking for answers. Number two, 715 plus impact. Because it can't be, I just believe that God has called Thrive Church to not only impact the 715, but beyond. Impact. People coming to Jesus. People being healed. Chains being broken in Jesus' name. That's what happens when you begin to live out your mission. Those three things begin to happen. And then last of all, last of all, catch me on this. Leadership multiplication. What do I mean by that? What if, just envision, what if, it, what if Thrive Church launched an aircraft carrier? What if we were to launch 100 pastors or missionaries? And where do I, where do I get this idea? I'm, I'm praying about this. God, where, where does that idea come from? That is what Thrive Church has been forever. Thrive Church, we have missionaries on our wall out there that have come from Thrive Church. There's multiple pastors who are ministry today that came from Thrive Church. That is the DNA of this church. Do you realize we have six people right now in our congregation, six people who are pursuing ministerial credentials? Six. So we're already on the way. We, I had a conversation with a gentleman here a few weeks ago about God's maybe speaking to his heart about becoming a missionary. We have a missionary family that, that has come from this church. What if, if we were to live out this life-giving mission, what if we just begin to launch people into ministry, pastors, spiritual leaders, missionaries? What would that look like? If we, listen to me, if we focus on the mission, the vision will happen. If we focus on the mission, what if I just focus? I am going to become a life-giving follower of Jesus. The mission will take, or the vision will take care of itself. That's all. If you, that's your takeaway today. If you just make it your mission to become a life-giving follower of Jesus, a minister and a missionary, the vision will take care of itself. So if you're here today as we close out this service, watching online, say, Pastor, I, yeah, I don't want to be content with, with staying in maturing stage. I want to be the life-giving follower of Jesus that he's called me to be. I want you to stand up right now. Don't stand up because others are. Stand up. I want to be that life-giving follower of Jesus. Yes, all around this room. In Jesus' name, I commission each and every person who is standing today, saying, Pastor, 
saying, God, I'm going to be that minister and that missionary you have called me to be. God, I want to see this vision of impact happen in our world. I want to be a part of it. And so I'm moving today from the, from the stage of maturing. I'm moving into ministry. In Jesus' name, I pray. In Jesus' name. Maybe you're here today and you're like, I need to start. I need to enter into the land of newbie. And you would like to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I want you to know it's as easy as saying, God, I need you. Just say that right after me. God, I need you. I invite you to come into my life and to transform me. I'm inviting you to, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I choose today to live for you in Jesus' name. I want you to know if you prayed that prayer, your life has instantly been changed. You have been forgiven in Jesus' name. Can we give these people a shout out? We, that is awesome. That is awesome. Your faith journey has truly begun. If you prayed that prayer, you're here today and you prayed that prayer for the first time, we have a Bible that we want to give to you that's going to help you in your faith journey. I wanted to tell you a story, but I'm going to save it for later. God's got great things in store from Thrive Church. We just focus on the mission and the vision will happen in Jesus' name. Hey, this is Sheldon Miles here, pastor at Thrive Church, and I want to thank you for watching this video. And if it impacted you in any way, I want to encourage you to do three things. First, become a part of the Thrive Church family by subscribing and following us. Make sure to join us on our Facebook page every Sunday. Second thing is share. Share with your friends, coworkers, and the people around you. The final thing, consider partnering with us financially. If this ministry is impacting you, I would ask you to pray about what you can give to help us take this message to the entire 715. And as always, we want you to know that you are welcome, accepted, and loved here at Thrive Church. And remember, you were created to thrive. We'll see you next week.